0: I'm Carlos, and you are listening to the Because I'm Carlos podcast this podcast is an archive of the YouTube channel because I'm Carlos with the same name and contains all various live streams and other original content that I put from the channel and then repurpose into the audio format. For every episode, where applicable, I will include a link to the original YouTube video live stream because usually that'll be the best effect and best impact. I talk to our fellow hobbyists and collectors. Generally, this is a collector-focused podcast, although I will speak to data analytics experts and various folks within the sports card industry. One of the other aspects that you're going to notice as you you as listen through the podcast is that it is very much a visual oriented podcast. So we will make references to things on the screen that you will not necessarily get a full description for. Just be aware of that when you're listening to the podcast. A second thing is that you're going to notice as we go along is that there is a lot of interactivity with a live audience, which we have during these various live streams. Whether you're listening or watching, I appreciate you checking it out. And any comments or questions are welcome as always. Thanks very much for watching or listening. All right. Good afternoon. We are live. So if any of you come in after the fact or check out the replay, I'm Carlos from Because I'm Carlos. And today I'm going to be chatting with Josh from Cardboard Chronicles and from Card Ladder. We're not going to be focusing mainly on Card Ladder today. It's going to be more of a general hobby talk. But if it comes up, it comes up. You know, it's part of the it's part of the whole thing. Josh, in addition to having the YouTube channel as well, uh, has the podcast of the same name. And in addition to that, he does the crossover with Chris McGill from House of Jordans. And generally, that's kind of an Instagram-only show, an Instagram live show that they do on Friday night. So there'll be another one tonight where they'll be sitting there chatting about different hobby topics, not unlike what we're going to do today. So we're probably going to try to steal a little bit of their thunder. So let me bring Josh in.
1: Hey, Josh, how are you doing? What's up, man? Thanks for bringing you on.
0: Absolutely. No, I'm more than happy to. I kind of wanted to bring you on a little earlier, but I also wanted to wait for an opportunity where there was some interesting stuff. in The last little while... Now we've had some interesting happenings recently, so there's a, there's a couple of different areas we can go. We can talk about. You can let us know what a great investment Luca Base PSA tens are. You know, I'd like you to outline that. You know, before before you get to your show later on and reiterate the same thing. I know you're you're in general agreement with that.
1: Yeah, that card is just the best. There's not enough to, of them to go around. You know what I mean?
0: It's it. it listen, I I know for a fact I, I at least only tripped over four or five of them walking as a doorstop earlier this morning. And when I'm down to like four, that means we're almost done here.
1: Right. We're short,
0: we're short printed now.
1: You cleaned out. I don't know if you're gonna be able to find one.
0: I, I'm very concerned about this. I'm very concerned about this. So, like I
1: said, price it's down to 1600
0: Absolutely, absolutely, without question. So, this is gonna be uh, when I brought Chris on, you know, your partner from Card Ladder, I really needed to get analytical with him. So, I had two problems. Number one, I was coming up on a Mavs game, so we needed to try to get it done. And Chris can talk, and I can talk. So, I'm like, all right, trying to get this under two hours is like trying to pitch a perfect game in 27 pitches. We managed to get there. But it took a fair bit of interrupting. I think here we'll be able to have a little bit more fun, though. This is going to be a little bit more easygoing. But we do have some stuff that I'd definitely like to get your take on. So that'll be a little bit of fun. And uh, one other thing I'll mention, if any of you haven't checked it out, I was actually listening before Josh came on. I was checking out his uh, his interview with uh, on the Adam Lefko podcast. So you can check that out as well, where it talks about. We're going to address some of the things he brought up there as well, because I got a chance to listen to it. And there were some interesting points, but I kind of want to expand upon them a little bit, and we can kind of get a little bit in there. The other thing I'll mention here is that we've got the comments on. So if any of you bring up anything that's kind of pertinent, I'll be happy to throw it on the screen. And if it applies, we can definitely talk about it. So first order of business, let's get this one out of the way just because it it is pertinent. You are a co-founder of Card Ladder, and I think you're more the back end as far as, you know, the... The website and the app itself, and kind of all that going in. I don't want to get in. I joke with you on Instagram, but I'm not going to do code. But could you start from the top and just explain the whole code, and let's go line by line and
1: share your screen, and we can do that. Yeah, just every single there's thousands of them, so take a while.
0: Absolutely, listen, we got time. We're good. No, uh, no. While that would be entertaining for like one person, (laughs) eventually, I I think for the rest of us, it wouldn't do too much. I'm not a developer, but I know enough to be dangerous. But even I would like. No, that's not where I want to go with
1: this thing. Right, you fall asleep.
0: But I do have a legitimate question with for you that you I think you are the right guy to talk to about this. I focus with Chris on kind of the, um, you know, his algorithm and the and that end of it. But as the person who kind of builds it out, you provide basically the front end that he looks at from his perspective when he's inputting cards. And this is something relevant for ladder because you guys made some UI changes that, frankly, a brilliant person gave you. And I've noticed some of them incorporated. I can't remember who it is, but frankly, they're a genius. And some of them have been incorporated, wisely so. Why is I was
1: making those code changes while you were talking. I'm not Ex-
0: correct. Cor- cor- right thing to do, though. Right thing to do. I-, I told Chris, listening to me just takes you to another level. But there I do think
1: I was like, yeah, that makes sense. I'll just do it right now.
0: I-, I try to stay, I try to remain making sense. That's kind of my goal, generally. <laughs> uh, one more thing I'll click for everybody. If you ever want to check out Johnny of Josh's stuff, I've got a scrolling across the ticker that allows us to not have to repeat it 50 times. So it is there if you want to check out his Instagram, his YouTube channel, and of course, cardladder.com if you want to check that out. But from your perspective on the end, right now the the remaining bottleneck. So the UI changes really help a lot. I think they make it more user-friendly. I think they do help and I think they clarify some things, which I think is awesome. So that's kind of why I focused on that area and suggested it. But now this is the part where I can't speak to because I'm not a developer. This is something that is kind of more your department from the perspective of Chris doing it, obviously he's you know taking a very hands-on approach where he's focusing in on that data and kind of analyzing, doing a little bit. He mentioned that the majority of the data goes through, which is cool. I was even able to find one of my auctions when I was looking at it. I talked to uh, Josh a little bit earlier and I found it on there because I just looked up the date and I found basically the dollar amount. I had one of the lowest prices on there, which is, which is because I'm smart. But um, the point is, it allows you to do that. You can go find the auction and it allows you then to kind of audit, audit it yourself to a certain degree, which is great. Yeah. That means a lot of the data is going through. But my question to you is this. The bottleneck is still X amount of cards are getting inputted per day. Mm -hmm. Now, there's two ways you can solve that problem. One is maybe refine the process to find something in there that can help you accelerate it. Or the other side of it is flat out manpower. I use the comparison with the data that it's kind of like um, hiring graders for PSA. Like there's only so much you can do. You can get machines to do certain part. You can get right. at a certain point, a human being needs to look at the card and their experience will make them better at it so they can assess it quickly and get it. But there's only so much you can do at that point. So are you guys at the stage where maybe there's still some refinements in the software you can do to make Chris's life easier in building those profiles? Or is it down to just out manpower and man hours?
1: There's a couple. Uh, we're actually like cautiously adding the mm-hmm. number we are today. We're, we're not, we could, we could go higher. We mm-hmm. could actually, pump that to like 60 or 70 I think pretty easily Mm -hmm. and the software would flex pretty simply to that Mm -hmm. the reason we're not is that um we're spending a lot of time per per card intentionally to like focus on the uh, multipliers and some like the more nuanced data within it and go and being able to get full sale but like the actual per card time that Chris has to spend uh in the software side of it is very minimal at this point there's not much left on my end of things okay. the next step is that chris saying hey i want to remove this guardrail and i trust what you've done mm-hmm. enough or i don't have to manually review xyz anymore you just let it through because mm-hmm. i have i have the buttons i literally have code commented out that like when he says it's good to go i take that code mm-hmm. i allow it to be in production and then it just starts flowing through faster so we have a couple more levers to pull But most, none of them will just like make it 500 cards a day. And that's intentional.
0: Yeah, no, that's fair. That's fair. I get it. The reason I ask is because, like I said, I'm not a developer. I'm not on that end of it. But I do operate from a system administrator end of it. And one of the things that I experienced when I came into the organization that I work at now was they were creating user, I'll use user profiles as a different example, something different, but it's the same general concept. You give them their permissions, you do all that. They had a UI and it's the built-in UI the system has. It works great. It's fine. You can build a profile any way you want. But it's slow. You're having to go in and manually input the name, the email, this information for single sign-on and whatever. I'm not going to get too technical for everybody. I promise. This is is as techie as we're going to get here. But I fill in all their info, put in all that stuff, and then hit the submit button. And there it is. It's in the database it's created. That's all fine and dandy. But I also have the ability on the back end to do it from a bulk loader. I basically have a gigantic template. It's got the same fields, but I go in and put it in. And because I'm doing it all the time, I know exactly what to put in so I can be like, boom, boom, boom. So before they were doing maybe five or 10 every 20, 30, 40 minutes, I can do 50 or a hundred in like 10 minutes. So it just allows me to go and create, especially if we have to create a bunch of them. So it's the same process and it's the same fields, but it's just a different way of getting into the system so that at least the profile is created. And then from there you go. That's, that's kind of why I was asking about kind of the way it was that
1: there was a way. When we first started, he was doing the like sales history all time Mm -hmm. manually, literally like typing in sales. And then we, you know, I built a, a piece of software that he doesn't have to do that anymore. So that saves him a ton. Mm-hmm. The next thing we can do that I want to look at is like a way for the barcode to be automatically rendered over the image before okay. we upload it. So that oh, you
0: mean like the, the little black bar over the over the PSA scans? Yeah,
1: yep. that's important to us. So we can automate that and make it quicker. Mm-hmm. I, I kind of let him lead the charge on like what he where he wants to pull the levers. And I'm just mm-hmm. the guy that's like serving him. So that it's been a better setup that way because he's the one that's in the data and he has more empathy towards what sucks and what, you know, what's good.
0: No, that's fair, that's fair. I just kind of wanted to get a little insight from that end of it because we didn't have it. And generally we don't have access to the app developer to be able to, like I said, we can keep it still very high level and just understand that, yeah, there are a couple of spots potentially, but for the most part, it's still kind of a manpower intensive uh, activity.
1: At this point, it's a fairly well running train. Like there's mm-hmm. not, I haven't really done a lot of like stuff. I haven't done a lot of coding on that end of it for a while. It's been mostly adding features and front end work Mm -hmm. that customers are giving us feedback on. And we added, you know, more ladders. We had the dashboard. We have all this new stuff, right? All these different things we've changed. uh, And he's kind of running the data side. So we haven't really met up to say like, hey, how can we change the data end of it necessarily? It's mostly Mm -hmm. focused on features right now.
0: No, that's fair. I think that's reasonable. The only reason I like to bring it up and the reason why I think it's pertinent now is because I think that's your last... Obviously, features are awesome because the users are going to want features. They're going to want to see certain things. But I think the the database is going to be your last big bottleneck because at a certain point it's going to be like you're only as good as the size of your database. And it is growing. It's growing every day. We can see it. But it's one of those deals where at a certain point somebody's going to be looking at like, this is a pretty popular player and their big rookie isn't here yet. Yep. And then you can request it, yes. And if maybe it gets pushed to the top of the line and then it gets thrown in there, but oh, maybe I wanted the PSA nine version. So you give me the 10, and then now you need to create the nine and so on and so forth. Yeah. That's just gonna be like the last like big bottleneck to get the next level to get it just to that next spot.
1: Yeah, we know that. We we hear that a lot. And um we've heard it less than we did at the beginning. Mm-hmm. I think it's mostly that people see the consistency in which we do it mm-hmm. and they're sort of yeah. like, Oh, we get it. Like we can we don't have to pester them. We understand mm-hmm. the, the consistency and where this is going. Uh, but we still get some. It's like, how is this one not in there? And you know, we look at it and it's like, yeah, how is that not in there?
0: Mm-hmm. That's fair. And that's where the feedback is going to be a big thing. You know, the, the clients will tell you over time what their most pressing thing is. My last Keeps five hearing.
1: features have been none of my ideas. So,
0: mm-hmm. yeah, there you go. There's app development in a nutshell, everybody. That's fair. That's true. But let's talk about a little sports cards. Let's uh, let's talk about the, the thing in general. I, I want to have a little fun with this one because we were talking about it a little bit before we got going. So, to, Josh, can you explain Wax Poetic on soccer cards? Why they're their absolute best, why they're, uh, they're going to absolutely trailblaze the rest of the world. Could you outline that?
1: Soccer cards. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I mean, I'm looking at it from, like, a historical data point Mm -hmm. where I just don't see... I'm not seeing the history behind soccer cards, especially internationally. It's been a hot topic here locally. All of the sales data that I see on eBay is all here locally, like 90%. Mm -hmm. So to me, that says those guys hyping each other back and forth on it and passing it around. And I'm not seeing, like, a new market entrance of this massive group of people all of a sudden finding it interesting i think it's just like people here are making up a market that doesn't exist on it to try to like raise the price
0: and i think that's the thing is that's possible it's it's one of those things where you know people talk about market manipulation but they almost use it as a buzzword they don't understand what it is it's it doesn't take a lot it just we need we need legitimate sales and if it doesn't look like it's the same person doing the sales that's enough you don't you don't need thousands of people buying them. Maybe a couple of dozen or a couple of hundred would be enough if if they're that if they're that determined, because a four dollar or one dollar base card doesn't go to you know fifty, sixty, seventy dollars for in raw form, or you know in PSA ten suddenly magically becomes thousands.
1: Yeah, the incentive to manipulate a card is very very high. There's a lot of money at stake, so like why wouldn't people do it?
0: Well, especially if you can get it in volume, it's so cheap because some of these guys were available literally for a dollar. I I was explaining to Josh the story that I made fun of one of my buddies who's a soccer nut. And I'm like the only Latin guy in creation who doesn't care about soccer at all. Like the only one. It's basically me. And my younger brother's named Roberto Carlos, which is the name of a prominent soccer player. So it's like, but he doesn't care about it either. So it's one of those things. My mom loves it. My dad enjoys it, but I've never been a soccer guy myself. I've never liked it. But, the, but there are passionate fans, but it's one of those things like those passionate fans, like we'll use 2014 Prism is a big one that, you know, there's some great cards that are really taken off there. But the thing is, uh, you know, a 2014 Prism Ronaldo. You were able to buy that all day long for not much. It wouldn't have cost you that much, you know, six months, a year ago. It just wouldn't have. And um, so I joke with my buddy who's a big soccer nut, but he's cheap. We'd go to our big card show here, you know, like six, 700 tables. And there was always a soccer card table. The guy was 100% soccer cards. That's all he sold. And we'd be literally walking there. And I know for a fact that box was there at some point because he had everything. So it's one of those deals where I would tell my buddy, be like, you like this. You like this garbage. It's a World Cup. Go buy it. And he would always cheap out. He would never buy it. And now and now I get to make fun of him because I'm like,
1: you see what Ronaldo lo- goes for now? Yeah. I, uh, it makes me laugh sometimes because, uh, like, the power of hype is so real. And you can see it just with this because, like you said, six months ago, people couldn't give any craps about these cards. They don't care. Like, they ignore them. Nobody cares about them. They're everywhere. And now all of a sudden, People are touting these cards as like these all time great things because they're attached to these, you know, World Cups and these famous athletes who have a million billions of Instagram followers. And it's like, why do you care? Literally six months ago, you didn't care. Now you do because someone else cares.
2: Yeah.
0: But the thing is, all those points about the athletes having all this social media and being popular international, and all that, that was true six months or a year ago. Yeah. Ronaldo didn't get invented recently. Ronaldo's been a player for a while. Like if I'm a soccer guy, I know who Ronaldo, I don't even, I'm not even a soccer guy. I know who Ronaldo is. It's like, you know, he's kind of a big deal in his, in his, in his sphere, in his universe. Some of those soccer players get paid $50 million a year. They're a big deal.
1: Yeah. It's less about the connection to soccer because we obviously know soccer is popular globally. It's Mm -hmm. more about, can we get people to collect the cards?
0: Yes. And for some reason they weren't interested in doing so before. So it seems odd that they would suddenly be interested in it now, magically out of nowhere.
1: Yeah, that's why I, I'm so gung, gung-ho on the football thing right now. It's like we have the established collector base in America, and America likes football. Just It's like a more simple transition to me.
0: Yeah. Now, there is a good segue there, and I'm going to get to it in a second, because you definitely have been you know leaning more into the football part, and I actually want to chat with you a little bit about that in a second here. But let me ask you this question, because this is pertinent to CardLadder. it's pertinent to any other analytics tool. One of the things that I've thrown out of my channel, I did a video where I kind of talked about this you know, feedback loop, the concept was. Um, and uh, did you get a chance to see that video? If not, I can just quickly explain it in like five seconds. So all it is is this. It's just the concept of I focused on hobby influencers as the impetus to get it started, mm-hmm. but analytic tools were part of it because I'm saying something gets people to buy the cards. In this case, a hobby influencer. We'll just use that. We'll call it Gary V. doesn't matter. Somebody. They buy the cards, which creates real sales and real data. In turn, it goes into the analytics tools and appears there. And then we can ha- we've got all the lovely graphs and all that. It is real data. Something pushed them into it. But what happens and where it gets interesting, th- thus the loop, is that it doesn't end there. Because then you get sports card YouTube channels that have sprung up in the last six months that didn't exist. Or YouTube channel. My personal favorite was one who was doing like mobile games six months ago. Literally mobile games. Their first sports card video was like three months ago. And now they're a big sports card channel. I love it. It's fantastic. But um, it comes up on my feed from time to time and I chuckle. It's, cool. it's great. but the So they'll tout these cards and they'll be able to point to real data because the sales happened, you know, for whatever reason. But then in turn, that real data, somebody on the other side who's not influenced by the influencer, but like focuses their head down on the data, looks at it and sees these trends and sees that it's not just one person buying it. It's all these other people, but doesn't understand the context of the data. It's data without context. So then turn if they're not really paying attention, don't realize what's happening, it induces them to make real purchases, which are legitimate as well, which also gets fed into the analytics tool, which then reinforces it for somebody else. Therefore, it's a loop. It's a self-sustaining loop. Not forever, but it's but it is a self-sustaining loop. Do you have any thoughts about something like that?
1: It's scary, man. Like it just shows you how one tiny little thing can snowball and loop into. Soccer cards being twenty five hundred dollars for base cards. Like it's just it's just so easy to make it happen, it seems.
0: Yeah. And that that's and the thing is I'm not accusing anybody. I'm not saying that it's that it's a bad thing, but I'm saying it's a factor. The reason I made the video was so that I I make videos like that to try to educate to be like, guys, just understand that right. the context does matter. It's not just, yeah, it's been going up fifty percent the last you know two weeks. Yeah, it has. If the numbers say that and the numbers are real, then yes. Yeah, the, why
1: the content creators like come out loudly in reaction to things that have already happened are the Mm -hmm. ones want to avoid. Like, oh, you need to be checking out soccer. You need to be checking out base cards of, you know, uh, hot rookies. Those are reactions Mm -hmm. to prices that have already jumped. And then what we see in all these graphs every time is like when it jumps this much, it always goes like that right back down. Mm -hmm. So like, do you want to be the one buying at the peak or do you want to go find the next thing and like do your own research?
0: Well, the, and that was kind of the uh, that was kind of the fun I had with Chris earlier. I said, uh, most people don't want to do the research, uh, Josh. <laughs> they, they'd actually like to buy the peak. If uh, I don't that's, know if you realize this, that's yeah.
1: really good for people like us that do the research and mm-hmm. capitalize on it.
0: Yeah. So that I just wanted to kind of get your take on that, because that's something I've been kicking around for a little while. It's something I've been explaining to some different folks. And it's like I said, it's for knowledge. It's so that they understand that the context does matter. That's really all I'm trying to say. It's not enough to see the data. The data helps. It's a, it's a huge help. But also understand why, or at least ask why. Yeah. And then when you're looking at it, if it makes sense to you, oh, this player is now playing better than they've ever played, their game's improving, all these things. That That's organic. That's That makes sense. That's logical. But if you can't identify something, they're like, why are they suddenly so popular? Then it brings question marks above my head.
1: Yeah. I mean, people will point to the, the game that Mbappe was in. I don't I'm so bad at soccer. I don't even know what that game is called again. The the championship game that was last year. Yeah, Sunday. it was their championship, yeah. I basically watched that game just out of curiosity like what is going on? Like how important and it was like a 1-0 game where Mbappe hit the ball had the ball for like a grand total of 30 seconds. So I was like this is what people built up to this this game. This isn't even like nothing even happened. That's an ex- that's an
0: exciting soccer game, Josh. I don't know what that you're talking right. about. Somebody
1: <laughs> actually scored.
0: You don't understand someone actually did score in that game. It okay, well, it's tremendously exciting.
1: Again, it's like you're trying to convince a nation that this was exciting and there's like real build up to this. And you're trying to convince other nations that what they're doing and what they enjoy is like they should be doing it through sports cards. Like it's a lot of convincing you have to do that Mm. I'm not seeing. Yeah.
2: Yeah.
0: No, that's fair. No, you're you're right. But that's the reason why that's the reason why I have fun looking at stuff like that. I'm like, guys, really? Um, I'll give you a quick story because then I want to talk about the football thing. Uh, This is soccer related. One of the one of the things we've got here is uh, you can't do uh, now. You can do online betting a little bit now. You're allowed before years ago. You weren't allowed. So years ago, you could do what was called pro line. It was like a local thing where you could you know you'd have your over unders and all that, and you could do it through the uh, through the provincial government, so they would have it on there, so you could do it that way. I always make fun of my my soccer loving buddy about this. I go, dude, your sports stupid. Like I could just put tie. I'll just put tie, 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 because nobody scores. So probably all zero, zero ties. I put six on there. I put tie, 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 tie. And all these things have different odds, depending on which one. I put like a $2 wager on it. If I had been right, I would have made like $2,800 because it was 1400 to one that I would get six ties. I got five. I almost got six ties. That's how little scoring there was. And like three of them were not were nil, nil ties. So I was like, dude, like I told him, it was like, what are we even doing here? Whatever I'm the, the, the over-under is, I'll take the under.
1: My like, soccer guys that I talked to to try to understand this card thing because I mm-hmm. feel like I needed to talk about it, they told me that the game was going to be like 5-4, 6-5 because it's got all these superstars they are going to score mm-hmm. all these goals. And I was like, what happened? It was one I nothing. I don't think
0: that – I don't – The games like that exist, but I feel like they're the anomaly. They're not the norm. It's not a particularly well, high-scoring they beat,
1: sport. They beat Barcelona like 8-2, I guess is what yeah. people were referencing.
0: Yeah. But I think, I think it depends on the quality of your competition, right? Like if you're like a legitimately good team and you play the right team, I guess it works out for you. But a lot of soccer games I've seen have low scores. Not a lot, not all of them, but a lot of them I've seen. But, um, let's talk about, I I always got to get in my digs at soccer. So I'll give my buddy this clip and then I can move on. Um, but that's a true story about the ties. I almost got it so close. Um, so let's talk about the football thing, though, because you are trying to, you know, you're trying to zig when other people are zagging. You're trying to look at different opportunities and you focus your attention on a lot of these uh, kind of Hall of Fame caliber wide receivers. What particularly drew you to that? I think there's a fantasy football connection, but is there something else related to it?
1: Yeah, I just—I mean, I like those guys. i have mm-hmm. They're uh, great I've, players. I've played fantasy football since about 2008. So its mm-hmm. you know, I've played it a good chunk of my life. I actually had a, my startup before Card Letter was a fantasy football app where you okay. could where you can get your buddies together and draft kind of in person, like through a through software applications. So I have like a lot of, I actually have more history and tie to fantasy football than I do to cards. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have just like an emotional attachment to those types of players more so than I do the quarterback because in fantasy, the quarterback's important. He's just not nearly as important as running backs and receivers because they all sort of like cancel each other out. Um, so I just, I, you know, I just I like, I like those players. And then I started looking at their cards and it was like, you could just, like, get a 9.5, a BGS 9.5 RPA of, like, the best receiver in the entire NFL for less than a base Luca Prism. And it was, like, it at that point, it turned to a, a level of, like, fun where, mm-hmm. dude, it's not fun for me to go collect cheap basketball cards anymore. And I'm just, like, I'm getting worn down of trying to pay 20 grand for any type of good LeBron card, and it's just not as much fun.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And now I can go build a collection you know, and have more fun with it. And I just sort of like bought a couple and I enjoyed it. And I just went crazy from there and bought as much as I could.
0: Now, I think you hit on another thing there that also plays into that base card thing. So let me quickly just say hi here. So Max here is a, is a young guy who collects cards and he's on Instagram. Hey Max, thanks for checking out the video. But, um, no, part playing into that as well and also playing into that base card thing is that you're not just going on and buying PSA 10s of the base card rookie of these guys. You're looking at the RPAs. You're looking at some of the parallels and things. And I was making fun of Josh a little bit before we got started where I said, dude, you're ruining this for those of us that have known this for years. It's like this is not a secret. But the um, the point that I get across here is that you're you're making a valid point because the base cards are the base cards. They're, they're plentiful, especially for a lot of these guys where at the time they were doing the base cards there were pretty plentiful as well. But then, at least if you get a card now, do you like to focus mainly? You got the RPAs as well, but do you have any of? Are they all numbered as well? Is that part of? Is that part of the thought process? Because at least there is a finite number that you can quantify on the cards.
1: Yeah, I'm looking for stuff that's lower in pop. I think the most common card I have is like a Randy Moss SP Authentic PSA 10. There's like it's like a pop 65. Mm-hmm. But most of the other stuff, yeah, it's like the Larry Fitzgerald stuff is like pop 25 and under. My my RPA Larry Fitzgerald is a pop three. <laughs> Um, but yeah, it's all numbered usually the base refractor stuff that I'm buying isn't numbered uh for those older football cards. Mm-hmm. But the pops are so low that's like, you know, what's what's gonna happen? This is at at absolute worst case, this pop would jump by 30% because these cards are so old. So I've been avoiding like the modern PSA 10 Prism mm-hmm. silvers of these of like Michael Thomas and uh you know McCaffrey. I've been avoiding those because I know that those pops are gonna jump now that people are seeing this. So I've been going after the RPAs, number to 99, number to 25 uh contenders cracked ice number to 24 um base contenders a little bit in psa 10 form because the those aren't there's not a ton of those out there uh and going back to some of the older guys like sp authentic fitzgerald's number to 299 and the, the pop th- on the bgs 95 is three and then the uh let's see like exquisite calvin johnson number to 99 so yeah they're they're all they all actually are very uh there's a consistency to it you know it's the player and then it's like their top three to four sets that they're in and it's usually like contenders top chrome, prism uh national treasures and i think i got them all but it's yeah. like the staple brands you just keep buying the same things over and over and i get high grade low yeah. pop and you know you know how the game goes like that's that's once you have that kind of stuff you basically like own the market of those players at that point
0: yeah, I think the I think the key takeaway from what you're talking about, because you're right and the and one of the things that I'll commend you and Chris for and I'll talk about a little more in a second is that you've picked up on one of the subtleties that a lot of times a lot of the long term veteran collectors, it takes us a while because if we started off and we were really young and have been collecting a long time, you know, the, the collection proceeds along at a certain pace. I've never aspired to be like a high end collector, but if I did, I've always known when I've talked to buddies who are high end collectors, if for some reason they asked my opinion on a thing, my answer is always the same. If you know what the quantity is, it's a lot easier. It makes your life easy because there have been a lot of limited cards over time. Now, it's rare now because there were the manufacturers. So in the hockey world, there were the manufacturers like a pinnacle who produced a lot of super limited cards. But then when it went out of business, there was more in the back. So even though it was, even though it was limited and you knew the print run was this, we can still find a dozen of them. So it's it's one of those things. But if it's numbered, well, if there's two number eights, well, then we know something's up. It's yeah. a little bit easier to figure out with the numbering it' It makes it a little bit easier, but the the other aspect of it is that if you're a collector and you're a fan of the player, and this is what I said to Josh earlier as well, I don't see any harm in picking up like a flagship brand uh you know rookie of them because that's for your collection, so buy one and enjoy that. Just don't stack up a hundred of them and then suddenly act like a surprise when they're not rare, especially if you're able to get your hands on a hundred of them relatively inexpensively and you're like when you're wondering why they're not going up in value.
1: yeah, the only one I've been able to get multiples of is Michael Thomas rpa at a 99 i have four of those now Mm -hmm. i there's only 99 so like i know how many i can possibly get so it's not like i'm worried about it but it's they were kind of easy to get and i don't know if that's just like football people don't care about that stuff but like he is the best receiver in the nfl he's gonna be like a top five fantasy pick i don't know why i'm able to get it so easy it just felt like you know it's 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 uh there's also like a feel aspect to it like yeah you can look at the numbers you can you can look at like how many times they sell and how the pop reports but also like just looking around instagram and asking around and going on ebay you just sort of feel out like how rare these actually are once you dig into it yeah and some of these are just like really hard to find and when i find them uh there wasn't a ton of demand on them people it's just me bidding against myself how much i want to pay uh and I sort of enjoyed the hunt of that and finding it and trying to pry it away from people that have had them for 10 Like I bought like a two, uh, 1998 tops Chrome Randy Moss refractor BGS-10. It's a pop mm-hmm. four. And everyone's all hyped over the base, tops Chrome and the PSA-10 refractor. I think the PSA-10 refractor pop is like 155.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And that card is just like exploding. People are going nuts for it. The, 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 I have the BGS-10. It's like the pop is like so much lower. And it was way more fun for me to try to pry that away from the guy that like has had it for 15 years and it was graded a 2003 like there's just you can find the flagship uh you can find the flagship cards and also like find rarities within it you know
0: mm-hmm. and the thing is there are opportunities out there and this is one of the things you're hitting on one of the key things that I still think is a real thing that like it's I, I've stopped at this point acting like in my head I try to stop myself because in my head I'm like well that's obvious yeah Yeah, correct. But at the same time, wait, wait, it's not obvious. It's clearly not obvious. It's become abundantly clear that there is nothing obvious about this because folks are kind of riding the wave and they're being pushed in whatever direction the waves go. Yeah. And the issue with that is that, well, then you get carried away by the wave. If, you know, if it takes you completely out to sea, you're going to be in a lot of trouble. So it looked like you were going to say something.
1: Go ahead. No, yeah. I was going to say that, like, I'm It's going to be a little bit tricky for me because now people are going to say that like i bought all the stuff and then i'm hyping it and then i'm going to dump it so i'm kind of in a no-win situation on that side uh the actual intent of me starting on this path was like when chris and i started crossover we did start talking about the whole zag thing Mm
2: -hmm. and
1: it was kind of like you know i'm telling everyone to zag but i'm still kind of buying the same stuff over and over i should go try something else and maybe like show how this process works and i feel like i showed it was pretty easy like i built this huge football collection Granted, like the money can be a limiting factor for a lot of people. So, you know, mm-hmm. I don't say like it was easy, but it was easy in that I was able to accumulate my goal within like two months. Yeah. And it wasn't even a matter of like, I'm some super football collector network guy who could go out and just like outmuscle people. It was like, no, I just threw myself at it for a couple months and I found it.
0: Yeah. I think, I think there's an aspect of determination to it, but there's also the kind of the underlying point of what you said earlier. The football market is still dominated by the quarterback. It yeah. doesn't mean there is an interest in these other players. You know, Barry Sanders has a, a committed fan base, but they're not that big compared to the committed fan base of Tom Brady or the committed fan base of, you know, a lot of these other guys. It's very difficult. Yeah. So it looks like Max has a specific question here, but I want to get back to that point. But let's let's check out his question here. So what do you think about investing in Kevin Garnett rookies? You're the basketball guy. I can't help him there.
1: So, yeah, I mean, like, the first thought is, like, his rookie finest card he doesn't have a refractor, which is, like, so...
0: Oh, that year they didn't have a refractor for it?
1: It's the only year. They, like, had him in 93, they had him in 94, they didn't have a 95, and they brought him back in 96. So Garnett kind of gets shorthand on that one. Uh, yeah. He doesn't really have that many cool rookie cards, honestly. Like, yeah, a lot of it for me, like, I wanted to collect some Barry Sanders stuff. I wanted to collect mm-hmm. Jerry Rice. The rookie cards, to me, are... There's too many of them. They're like, it wasn't any fun. So I, I had to pick players based on... I picked players based on the ones where I knew they had a good choice of rare rookie cards, and Garnett doesn't seem to have that for me. He might have a few if you dig, but I don't know that I'd be investing in Kevin Garnett rookies because he doesn't have, like, the flagship rare rookies that you can hold on to as investments.
0: I think the other thing is, so even though I'm not a basketball guy, I'll weigh in on it from this perspective. I hear the word investing used a lot, and it's one of those things like, well, what do you mean? Like, are you investing, you know, trying to buy a house from that eventually? Then maybe you're in trouble. If you're investing, hoping that at some point he'll be more appreciated and it'll go up somewhat. If you're playing a longer game, there's inflation is a real thing. Maybe it'll go up just because of inflation. Although that's not quite exactly what you're looking for. That's that's economic reality. Yeah. Some stuff is just gonna be worth more just because it's bread costs more.
1: The easiest way to do it for me is timing. So mm. like I'll I was buying fantasy football players two months before fantasy football starts being a topic. And then once fantasy football comes up the prices are going to go up just based on sheer number of people paying attention to it same with quarterbacks you could buy them in march after all the prolific guys get knocked out of the playoffs super bowl's over people are bored they move on to baseball and basketball uh so you just you could literally just load up on guys at that point and then sell it for a lot more when football season rolls around yeah so i don't know if garnett has like that big event coming up like i think he's coming up on hall of fame but we've already like known that's coming so i'm not sure if that's going to really move the needle too much
0: I think the only thing he's got going for him because I think I believe he's uh, he's doing the media thing. I think he does the segment, on, like the uh, on the basketball. So at least he's still in the public eye, so people still see him, which yeah. helps. You know, that's like a Charles Barkley or a Shaq. Yeah, they were big personalities, but it helps they're right there. <laughs> they're in the broadcast. You see them if you're watching the big game. They're there, and they're just yeah. omnipresent.
1: I would look at late '90s Kevin Garnett stuff more so than his rookie stuff. I would look at like '96 tops Chrome, '97 PMG you know, Rubies, some of the more rare 90s inserts type stuff, 97 inserts, you know, your flagship brands of the 90s where he's a a part of all those sets. He's in a lot of the inserts because he was a big player. His rookie year is just tough. He just doesn't have that
2: many good rookie cards.
0: Yeah. I think, though, one of the other things that you guys have kind of talked about a little bit, and Chris has definitely discussed as well, is that it helps that some of these iconic sets have been bolstered by certain big cards, and then it kind of forces people to look sideways and go, wait a minute, this guy's in that set too. Yeah. So that... Just the connection being in that same presence. That's what happened during the last dance. Everybody's Jordan Rookie, Jordan Rookie. Wait a minute, there's a whole bunch of Hall of Famers here as well. Oh yeah. <laughs>
1: these I guys are here the, too. I think the same thing's happening with football a little bit more. You it know, should. you're looking at Jerry Rice rookies like who else mm-hmm. is in that set? And you're looking at oh, the Jerry Rice sold for thirty grand. And you're like, Wow, this, this must be a big set. Let me go look at the rest of these guys. And uh, you know, you see like a uh, the big one is like the Mahomes RPA, you know, the two thousand seventeen Patrick Mahomes That card is a huge card at this point. Mm-hmm. There's also Christian McCaffrey from that year. Um, there's other big rookies where you're like, dang, that's that's going to be a famous set. I might as well like load up on some of these other guys.
0: No, that's and the, but the thing is that hobby behavior isn't new. Right. It, it's playing out faster, and we're seeing it on social media and whatever. Part of part of part of what led me to kind of ask you to come on is I wanted to talk to you about some of this stuff. But part of it is also is kind of counter programming to some of the stuff right here where people are complaining about complaining about the hobby, complaining about the rising prices, complaining about this and the other thing. But I hear the same words out of their mouth. They say, well, we've been through this before. And I say, if that's true, then what are you complaining about? You already know how the story ends. Right. If that's true, then you already know how the story ends. Then what do you complain about? Because I'm enjoying myself, I'm having a good time, but I'm also willing to be flexible. I'm willing to shift around a little bit and I'll come back to certain things. I'll circle back around when the story finishes playing itself out. Because if we have seen it play before, then you should already know exactly when to come back.
1: Yeah. If you like just literally followed the hyped YouTube content creators and bought what they told you to buy, you'd probably like be losing money at this point. You, you might be able to ride the wave up of some of this stuff, like some of the soccer stuff, maybe if you listen to them early on. But I just feel like the people that are actually making money and doing really well at this are the ones that are ignoring all that stuff and just doing their own thing.
0: Yeah, I think that, I think there is an underlying logic to it, which I think there I think is the key point that I keep trying to harp on is there is an underlying logic. It's not magic. Uh, some stuff is random, but m- most of it is actually now we're following, um, we're following certain principles because it, it, it's my favorite phrase right now. the laws of economics have not been violated here. <laughs> the way this is all playing out is weird, it's different, but the supply and demand thing is true. the supply is the supply, and the demand right now is getting bolstered by certain forces, but supply and demand still applies. Yeah. Now when' that's, when that demand goes away and you're holding a bunch of supply, then the supply and demand curve is still going to work. It's just not going to work in your favor
1: just gonna crush you like a giant
0: but the laws of economics have not been violated they are still being followed right now
1: i've heard a lot of content creators though like try to bend the rule of supply and demand and it just is like insane to me like i just i've i've heard comments like um you know we don't we don't pay attention to the psa 10 pop we're not worried about it who's not going to want this card it's like yeah but you're 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 trying to force infinite demand on something with Mm -hmm. a really high supply when that demand could fluctuate. So like you're trying to bend the rules of what it is.
0: Yeah. Well, the thing is also, I think another key point here is that you are, I think, and correct me if I'm mischaracterizing, I feel like you're more on the conservative level of a collector who doesn't like to exceed risk. You're not trying to be overly risky. You're trying to like keep it within tolerable levels so that you can do what you do and you've been able to build. So now this brings me back to that point I was trying to make earlier where I credit you and Chris You guys have been back in the game relatively recently. You haven't been, I've stuck around here for, I've stuck around here for 30 years. You guys have been around for about four or five, the last four or five. But there is a good corollary for what you guys are doing, which is working out great for you. And that is, um, and this is one of my favorite things from back then. I don't know, do you remember the online poker boom and the Mm -hmm. poker boom when it went? It was all based on basically one guy, Chris Moneymaker, who won an online satellite, got into the World Series of Poker, won the million dollars, and all of a sudden it's like, wait a minute, I can play on the internet and go play for a million dollars? What? And then everybody and their brother was doing it for a while. I still enjoy it. Poker's fun for me, but it's not like it was. But for that period of time, it expanded. But what happened was there were a bunch of kids who saw that. And what they did, and they basically hacked the normal system. Because normally you go in, You got to play for a long time in these seedy, you know, card rooms for a long time until you get enough experience and lose your shirt enough times. And then you learn. But when you're doing online, you can play two tables at a time, four tables at a time, 16 tables at a time. And you see thousands of hands per hour. And all of a sudden, you're getting years of experience in a couple of months. (laughs) And you're seeing almost every scenario play out. And then you go to a real table and they're like, how did you think of that? Well, I did the math. Why did you do the math? Because I play 16 tables at home on a big screen.
1: So why did it go down, though? Like, why did the interest win?
0: Uh, because there's a limit. At a certain point, the government started to crack down a bit because they saw money. They're like, wait a minute. <laughs> you guys are winning all these online poker winnings, and all of these uh, car- online card rooms are based out of the Bahamas or these tax havens. And like, wait a minute. Settle down, guys. So they, as soon as they killed the online, you can still do stuff. Like, in Canada, we can play online poker. That's not an issue. But we never had the issue. That they have but as soon as uh, as soon as your government saw money being made that they didn't get a piece of they're like hold on settle down a little cold water on this but yeah. it's still out there like people still play and it's and it is what there's some states that do allow online gambling so that's still allowed in some states but it's like whatever but the the point that it where it applies back to the cards though is you guys basically did the same type of thing where you weren't around for the long period of time and experienced all the ebbs and flows of the market but then in trying to get in and trying to climb that ladder you do a lot of transactions. And mm-hmm. then when you do a ton of transactions, then you acquire the experience that way. Yep. That is the way of hacking it. You just did more transactions in a shorter period of time than most veteran collectors do in the same
1: period of time. And we, we see more data, right? We see the Instagram, mm-hmm. eBay is like we consumed all that in a much shorter period of time.
0: Yeah. And that's the thing. I credit you guys for that. And I give you props for it because you are using the technique that exists out there. It's not new, but that's why I get to laugh because I'm like, I have seen it Which even with the thing you guys are. Yeah, I've seen that too. And the thing is you're, you're doing it correctly. But the problem is because there are cases like yours, then they assume these other folks that have been here for six months did the same thing where mm-hmm. I don't see the I don't see the flips. I don't see the transactions that would suggest to me that they have done the legwork to be able to then say something related to the market. Yeah. And that's kind of a big thing. I, I, the credentials are kind of important to me. I need to kind of know, like, OK, what have you done? Where have you been? This, yeah. If you've only been here a little while, then show me.
1: I want to see the cards like I just hear all these picks and then they hold up three base cards and like wow you really nailed that like I want to see someone making picks that has like a huge massive collection that they've built up over the last 15 years that they've maneuvered their way towards and they've had experience getting to that point that's what I want to see and if I don't see that you know great you went on eBay and bought three freaking you went to the store and bought three gallons of milk like you are good at getting milk these things are so common who cares like anyone can buy these. So now you know, everybody, your
0: comments the PSA 10 Luca based prisms no good, no bueno 13,000 of them. 13,000,
1: <laughs> just the PSA 10s long.
0: alone. Yeah, I was if looking up that
1: pop up a little bit. Like, if something happens to Luca where people just get a little bit annoyed because this happens to every player, even LeBron had a three to four year stretch where everybody hated him. Mm-hmm. Uh, if that happens and there's 13,000 of them, you're effed. That thing's going down,
0: yeah. Well, that's fair. I think um, I think where there's still a little bit of value, uh, and I'll transition into another topic here in a second, but where I think there's still a little bit of value is in looking at some of those all-time great guys who are winding down, who still are basically not officially done, but they're going to get into the Hall of Fame. They're going to get there. It's just maybe they've been – I use Pujols as an example because he's one of my favorites in this category. It was like – when we go and look after, it's like, wait a minute, he did what? He did that? He's second yeah. all-time in this? He's, you know, whatever and all that? It's like, yeah, man, he, w- he was there. He was a beast for a long time, and then you yeah. forgot because now he's no longer a beast. Now he's crippled and broken down.
1: Yeah, that's Larry Fitzgerald for me, and it's easier for me to, to notice because I live in the state where he plays, but uh, I think he's been all pro wide receiver one time. Mm -hmm. and he's like second all-time in receiving yards so he's just like very consistent and he's one of those guys where at the very end you're like holy crap like he's second all-time in receiving yards how did this even happen i didn't even know he was that good
2: yeah
0: i think though to that point though do you think then i i I, i've kind of uh tipped my hand on this i obviously believe this i think if you're not looking for the short-term flip you're not looking for the short-term i think there is a longer-term play for some of these all-time greats when suddenly the realization kicks in they're like when they come up for hall of fame induction and suddenly we get a recap of their all-time greatest saves, we get to see their hype video, but their hype video was over a 20 year period and it was real. <laughs> like it actually happened. We said, so we get to see all these highlights.
1: There's a lot of those guys in baseball. And uh, I don't know if you ever watched like Alico three, his YouTube Yeah, channel.
0: I love his stuff. Really good stuff.
1: He's the King of this. What we're talking mm-hmm. about right now. He always is like, he was buying drew breeze like four years ago. He's like, guys, look at his numbers. He's like about to break the all-time passing record. And nobody's really paying attention because he's not winning Super Bowls and he's not young anymore. And there's just like so many examples. of I think someone was talking to me about um, Max Scherzer, I think, mm-hmm. where he's just building and building these huge, huge numbers every year, every year. And he's not the hot young guy anymore, but he's getting close to like, you know, 300 wins, monster strikeout numbers, like your floor of making the Hall of Fame. He's get, he's approaching those numbers to where it's like, he's going to make the Hall of Fame. You might as well just start buying him now before it goes up.
0: I think his problem is kind of what you were talking about with Barry Sanders, where he's got some interesting stuff. I just don't know off the top of my head. I'd have to look at it. I agree about Scherzer. I just don't know what his like
1: key, the rookie is. Right. Yeah. And and for you you and I, like we think about what's their key, like rare rookie that not everyone else has. And some of these guys just don't have those like, you know, Barry Sanders and Jerry Rice rookie cards. There's tons of those things.
0: And the thing is, they don't have to be out of 100, because um, I'll, I'll use holes as an example. The card that I would love to have gotten, I'm, I kind of missed the boat on it, but I haven't really. I guess I have to go and put the money aside. I would hate to do it. It's going to hurt my soul, but I'll do it. But the one that I look at, and it's not super limited, but I think it's a good card, is um, he's got his 2001 Tops. That's his that's his flagship card. A great card. And I bought one for myself recently because I needed to have it in my collection. I, I consider that important because he's a great player, and I want it for my PC. But if I'm talking about a card like that, what we're talking about, they Mm -hmm. have a Topps Gold version out of 2001, which is very condition sensitive. It's foil on the front. Now, is it numbered to 100? No, but are they common? No, they're not common. They're still numbered, they're still relative, but also condition sensitive because that thing's got foil all over the place. You can chip that thing to hell. So if you got a nice copy, I think you'll do all right. I think you'll do just fine.
1: Totally, that was the 98 SP authentic Randy Moss for me. It's not rare. There's 2,000 of them. Yeah. Uh, but the PSA 10 is pop 65, and the PSA 9 is like pop 450. So it's like, man, you know, basically like nine out of every 10 of these submissions get rejected for a 10. It's yeah. pretty it's pretty tough to get a 10. They're, they've got foil in the front, they're condition sensitive. And so you can then have an iconic card that's limited and not super rare or not uh, super common. And also you have the condition rarity of like getting a PSA 10
0: that's right and i think there's a good balance to be had with those things and that was the and that was and the thing is i'm not going to hide from everybody there's a lot of folks that like they'll say a million things but then that's not what they're actually picking up to your point from earlier that's not what they're doing they're like doing this over here but they're telling you to look over there it's like i've never been into that the thing is like and again that's why i asked the question with max's question is well what is it are you talking about investing you're talking about collecting because i like to collect and i'll pick up some cards that have some potential potentially. But uh, there's a combination of the two. If I'm going to collect for my PC, I'll probably keep the price a little bit down because it's more fun for me. So yeah. that was the. So this was the one I showed Josh earlier. Super high-end card, guys. Super rare. The flagship uh, Juan Soto tops card, PSA nine. There's, there's only a. There's like uh, three quarters as many of these as Luca base prisms. Probably I don't know. I'd <laughs> have to look at the numbers. But the but the point is that that's for my collection. So that's just for me. But if I was going to get a card that's more in that category, and I'll give away the great secrets. But the thing is, he's got a top skull in that too. That has a little bit of condition sensitivity. It's in the same boat. If you like him as a long-term guy, the best time to buy that Pujols top skull, I said, would have been like 10 years ago or 15 years ago. Mind you, he would have been a little high coming off his St. Louis years, but at the same time, it's probably not going to go down from where it is now. It has the potential to go up as the realization kicks in. And Oh, wait, he's all-time numbers. The best yeah. time might have been when he was dipping a little bit, and he was playing terrible.
1: I actually hear a lot of smart guys talking about Pujols, so like, yeah. Also, like on the side of experience and being mm-hmm. going through a lot of transactions, you sort of pick up on who are the smarter guys in the industry and who are the mm-hmm. ones that are ahead of it. And when I see those kind of guys picking up Pujols and they have no inter- they've never had interest in him before, it's like maybe they're onto something. Let me look into it. So mm-hmm. like, you know, when you hear YouTube channels spouting top five of like what's currently hot. Versus someone that's a little bit more calm in their demeanor and a little bit more thoughtful and and thinks through things, and they they they're saying some names. I really take note of like, oh wow, he's not shouting from the mountaintops, probably because he knows it's an actual good idea and he doesn't want to like blow his uh, hand, you know, give away his hand yet. So,
0: but that's but that's you mentioned him earlier. That's why I like Nolan Alito three because it's oh. like, well, he tips his hand. <laughs> he told you exactly what he he told you what he was doing. And then he makes videos where he shows you what he picks up and what he's selling out of his store. And you can go look at the store. I actually, bu- I actually re- didn't realize it until I did it. I bought a card from him recently, so I'm going to be getting that in the mail. But it was just, it made me laugh. I go, yep, seems appropriate because it's a card that I would have wanted anyway. But it's in that store. So it's a real transaction. If you do a ton of transactions, he's been on YouTube a long time showing you what he's buying. And then when the time comes to sell, he's like, I bought it for this, and this is what it's sold for
1: and he's never actually if you look at the stuff he's buying he's never ridden like a giant wave of hype he's always just kind of been buying the same type of player over and over so he's never seen like a giant 10x in a year like we're seeing with some of the soccer and lucas mm-hmm. stuff but over 20 years man he's probably doing very well where it's like compounding and he's moving things into other things and it's just like a long-term game for him and i think that's really smart
0: i think i think it's a this it's a cliche but it is a marathon it's not a sprint yeah. If you're trying to if you're trying to do a sprint, you're going to run out of gas, collapse, and die. It's it's not going to work. You can't do it for that long. And if the, the you're going to see enough smart people, if you hang around long enough and watch, you're going to see the smart people are going to like work methodically. They've got a plan. It's not an accident. It's not a knee jerk reaction to a big game. It's it's what's going on. What's happening?
1: I actually I get this question a lot. Someone will buy a card,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and then they'll message me and say, uh, "How long should I hold this? What should I do with it? Should I flip it?" And I, I usually respond with like, you know, why didn't you come up with the plan before you bought the card? Because it's, it's very <laughs> important to understand before you buy something, when you think you might want to sell it, how long, you know, what's like the long term and short term mm-hmm. prospect of this card? Uh, is it something and it's an investment or is it a collection? I can't tell you after you've already bought it, you, you haven't even thought, you haven't done the homework, and you haven't planned what you're going to do. Like, now we're just reacting to the rest of the market, and you're already a step behind.
0: But don't you like being a card
1: consultant, Josh?
0: Like you get to be, uh, you know, you get to do counsel to be like, so you didn't plan this out. You didn't think it through. You have no idea what's going to happen next. And now I need to give you all the answers.
1: Yeah. I'm the harsh reality hammer, I guess. Like I'm not afraid to tell people that, you know, what they did was not a good decision. <laughs> yeah. No, that's fair. That I think there has
0: to be a place for people like that to do it because. It's not to dampen anybody's enthusiasm, but it's like I'd actually think your enthusiasm would be helped if you make smart moves. If you make <laughs> smart moves and you feel good about yourself, but hey, that was a good move. You made a good call. Good job.
1: Yeah, well, people come to me with ideas a lot. Like, do you think I should look into this? Do you think I should buy it? And I, you know, it's it's kind of a silly question. Like, do you? I mean, what do you think about it? You're the one that's looking at. It.
0: But don't you don't you get any temptation occasion just to mess with them?
1: Uh, just so for fun. Cool sometimes people will send me an auction like should i buy this and i'll just, I'll just literally just go buy it like, yeah that's actually a pretty good idea i'm just gonna buy it real quick why did you show me that, well, that
0: well, the, yeah that was i was gonna say that seems, that seems like you're asking for it at that point <laughs> but, but if a, you ever need that from a baseball guy josh uh 88 donors greg jeffries all of them that you can buy all is, of them it's fine yeah there's only like one and a half times as many as the Luca. it's basically think, the
1: same they're fine is like the most is that like the most common baseball card
0: it's it's one of them. It's it's uh, it's it's a. I'll, I'll use it as a sight gag in my channel. But the thing is, I don't own a card. I don't I don't have it because I didn't really do much. Eighty eight Donruss. But the thing with it, and it was a it was a joke a long time because Greg Jeffries was not a terrible player. The problem is he was supposed to be a great player. Ooh. They 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 thought for sure he was going to be. a great a lot. But I think he played for like ten years. So like he's not like garbage. But he just never was at the level they were hoping for. But the end result of that was that. He came out, he had all this hype. He was the guy that you could buy hundred car bricks of. He was that guy, and people were doing it. And they weren't cluing in on like, well, I can buy all these hundred car bricks, and the dealer has more another hundred car brick for me next week and the week after, and the week after, and now I've got a thousand of them. How could this possibly be rare?
1: Yeah. Same thing over and over, man.
0: That's the thing, but that that's the only reason I push back on those other long term hobbyists who will say that, and they're right. I agree with them. But then I'm like, so then why are you mad? <laughs> I don't understand why you're upset then. If if we know how this story is going to play out, then it sounds to me like we have an advantage. It sounds to me like we know exactly what we need to do, where we need to be standing when the piano falls. The piano is going to fall right here. You can stand here. I'm going to move a little bit over to the side and I'm cool.
1: Yeah. I have a question for you then. So like, as someone who's been around it for a long time and you'll be able to help answer
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh, because we're seeing so much growth right now and so mm-hmm. much attention and so much new money so much sure. uh, money pouring in like kind of like your example with poker isn't mm-hmm. it going to get to a point where i don't I don't want to say bubble pop but like mm-hmm. some event is going to happen where like people are going to realize this is fairly unregulated people are making a ton of money something's going to happen i feel like is there is there some event or some sort of like regulation police they're going to come in and like put a stop to all this and we're all just going to get cru- like bitcoin is another example where everything mm-hmm. just went crazy Yep. It went nuts. And then like people came in and the, you know, the regulation started happening and people freaked out and lost a ton of money.
0: Yeah. Regulation. No, only because, and I've heard this conversation. It's a fair question. It's a good one, but um, regulation. No, because it's like, if they wanted to do regulation, they could have done it in the 1980s when literally they were just printing, like it was going out of style. Like they were literally just printing. The manufacturers now are a little bit smarter because some of them did live through that era. So they're like, wait, hold on. We, we can't, we can't do the Greg Jeffries thing. We have to turn off the printing press. I think they turned off the printing press maybe two or three years ago in Jeffries. Like it was still on somewhere and they were still making more cards. Um, It's wallpaper in somebody's house. But the point is that like, they know better than to do that. But what I do think could happen to your point that could be is going to segue into this other piece, but we'll start it here. The wax is going to be your fundamental starting problem because it's like, Yeah, the cards are out there, but then the manufacturers are gonna find a conundrum. Number one, okay, the secondary market's going crazy, but we don't get to make that money. We can only make so much. So we've only got two ways we can do this. One is we do these Dutch auctions, which people don't like, but that's one way we can make money. We can put it on you to bid it up if that's what you wanna do. But the other way we could do it is print more, but we already know printing more is a bad idea. So what do we do? Well, let's make more different kinds of sets. Let's make Chronicles. That's a cheap way of doing it because then we're not making a million copies of Zion. We're making 100,000 copies of 20 Zions. It's <laughs> totally not the same thing, you guys. They're different designs. They're different. So yeah, just cheat.
1: That's why I talk about the market cap of players instead of the population of one flagship mm-hmm. card. Like yeah. A great example I love is uh, the Julius Irving Rookie. mm mm-hmm his cards like the market cap of a Julius Irving rookie card is like one one millionth of Luca rookie cards if you add them all up add all the cards all the population all the grades all the different sets Mm -hmm. Julius Irving has one Luca has like a hundred thousand and it's just like are you telling me that the market cap of Luca should be like 10,000 times more and I understand like people want different variations of cards and they want Mm -hmm. something different than just like the one Julius it's just kind of funny to think about it that way
0: no, the thing is, you're right, though. and But I like, I like joking about Luca because I know Chris and Christina love Luca. So that's why it's fun. But I can bring up anybody else in that set. Like, it doesn't really matter. It's, with with that Prism set, though, what we're looking at is there are numbered variants to those parallels. For sure, there are numbered variants. But there are also the non-numbered variants. Are they more limited than base card? Of course. Yeah, they definitely are. But how many parallels does that set have? It's got to be upwards of over 20, right?
1: There's like 40.
0: Yeah. So think. So think. Even if I just buy one Luca, that means by the time I'm done, if I complete that rainbow, I've got forty Lucas from the one series. Well, that was a great way for the manufacturer to make forty Lucas without selling you forty base cards.
1: So I mean, yeah. What's where's this end? Like this can't go up. And this this whole like boom can't. It's got to stop somewhere.
0: Well, I think uh, there's 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 a handful of ways it can end. One of them is if the manufacturers, if one of the executives at the manufacturers get frustrated enough because they're already playing around with it they're doing print on demand sets they're trying to come up with all these different ways of doing it like look at this guy i don't even know what to do with this one he's applauding he he appreciates our luca talk we we already covered him a lot but um but the thing is the many this executive at this manufacturer is going to struggle they're going to be they're literally going to have a conversation you know they'll go to somebody who's pretty smart they're like guys we need to make more money and the thing is if we print more stuff then people will be pissed off because then their boxes will have less value in them because that's one way they could do it. The wax problem that people think they have where they can't get retail. Well, I could put more retail. But what do you do? It's like, well, then we'll make the inserts harder to get. It's like, so then when you open your blaster, you're going to be lucky to get $5 of cards out of it. Yeah. But the good news is there's tons of blasters at Walmart. We fixed the problem. You guys, the inserts will still be valuable because they'll keep that one limited just so that there's some value still in it, but they'll just spread it out more over more blasters. That's one way they could go, and that would hurt it a lot, very fast, because all of a sudden the breakers are like, "Wait a minute, what am I opening this box for? It's garbage. Like I keep pulling garbage box after box after box. Once in a while, I'll pull a good insert and it's still good, but that's it.
1: That's why I just stay, I just stay away from new product, man. I just like I don't I have no control over it, so like like you're saying they could just the execs could change their minds here or they could mm-hmm. move things around here. Breakers could change the way they do things. You can't change how many. LeBron gold refractors were made in his rookie year, it's over. Like that's set in stone, so I feel more confident unless there's way, there's no risk in you know that population or the supply of that going up, so I just feel more confident.
0: The supply part, you're right, but I do want to make sure that it's, it's clear for everybody is that there is no risk-free investment. There's no such thing. Everybody could just get tired of sports and it drops to zero. The likelihood of that is not very high, but like there's always that possibility as remote as it might be. But at the same time, you're right. It is hard. It is easier for a GOAT-level player to maintain a certain amount. Even if the rest of the market moves, they'll still kind of stay above the fray to a certain degree. Not indefinitely, but to a certain degree. And if it's legitimately limited, a real rarity, the collectors who know, they'll still know and they'll still have desirability for that. So that's really helpful. That's kind of a good angle to take on it. But kind of to your portfolio argument, there is an advantage to be able to kind of break it up a little bit. Yeah, have some players that you have some fun with have some players that are just strictly pc and you don't worry about the value they're cheap just buy them and enjoy them because i've got those guys everybody's got those guys who have been collecting it keeps things it gives variety it's more fun yeah. yeah but the other um the other scenario to your question that could also play out so the wax is one angle that could definitely happen so here we'll get into that in a second that's kind of playing to your question a little bit absolutely you're just
1: you're just you're just guessing. How how would you why do people people keep saying that?
0: Yeah, well they Kim Gold is an engineer, so he, he had he if he could have said first inning, he would have said first inning.
1: They said that a year ago and now we're still in the third inning and it's ten X. That seems silly to me. Well there's
0: no there's no shot clock in baseball. That's why I use the baseball analogy, Josh. The third <laughs> but, inning could last forever. We could just keep getting hits. That's fine. Don't worry about it.
1: There's also incentive for auction houses to want it to go up forever. So can't yeah. like, the to, auction house that
0: sold the Super Fracture and the LeBron probably <laughs> wants to make you think it's the third inning. Yep,
1: yeah. think about awesome. who's think about who's telling you these things, right? Mm-hmm. What's the thing fact? is, it's
0: not that Ken Golden doesn't know, but at the same time, it's like, well, he can't know what the future holds. He knows know, what happened. He knows what laughing. happened this time.
1: Right. Uh, that comment always makes me laugh. Of like, we're just getting started here, guys that's what everyone was saying four years ago when I started is we're just getting started so four years later and 100x on some cards we're still just getting started dang Next I don't know year,
0: I, I don't know what you're talking about Josh I heard that in 1992 they told me it was still getting started we were good by 94 we weren't getting started anymore
1: <laughs> we're never yeah. gonna actually be past the starting point we're just gonna keep always being started
0: exactly exactly absolutely but the so the manufacturers is one direction that could go because that's going to affect the that's going to affect the secondary market a new product to your point you're saying you would avoid new product and that's fair but that's the gateway to a lot of folks because a lot of folks almost don't acknowledge the cards that already exist you can go (laughs) backwards in the past there there are cards there there's some good stuff back there a lot of people are discovering it sometimes for the first time but it's some good stuff like
1: yeah sweet cards. there's a level of like People think that the only way you can get cards is to go open boxes, you know, it's similar mm-hmm. to the way they used to do it when they were kids and stuff. So maybe there's just like a lack of understanding that there is a secondary market.
0: Yeah, I appreciate the nostalgia part of it. And I have that, too. I love opening boxes. They're fun. The first box of cards I ever got to open the box, not just a handful of packs. The first box I ever got to open was 1991 Tops Baseball. They were 50 cents a pack. They were fun. The design was good. It's nostalgic. It was the 40th anniversary of Top, so they went all out with uh, some cool pictures and stuff. But here's the deal. I can find that box all day long and open it as much as I want. It won't cost me much more than the 50 cents a pack I opened it for in 1991. <laughs> but it was fun, and I would happily open a box. Hell, I'll open it on a stream someday maybe. I'll get a box and I'll do it, But and it'll be a good time. But it's it'll cost me like 20 bucks to do it. So in today's dollars, that's not very much when we account for inflation over the course of you know 29 years yeah not exactly so it's it's like if that's what they want so sometimes i'll hear there's veteran hobbies and i and i question is like well is that what you want because i'm cool either way i'm in the minority if the cards went to zero i don't care i'm enjoying myself i'm having fun but a lot of people will, will will care a lot even the ones that complain about the prices they'll care a lot if the if the collection goes down to zero
2: yep for
0: sure so it's like where do you want to play on this it's i don't know but you stay out of the wax side of it, which I get. And the thing is, you can get the singles you want. There's some great stuff in there. But one other thing I'll ask you about then. We've kind of covered the... We talked about the soccer power. We talked about a little bit of you getting into football. Let's talk a little bit about hobby content, though. Let's have a little fun. We've alluded to it, and we skirted around a little bit. <laughs> Time is at a premium with you guys because you're doing a startup. You're busy. That makes sense. But when you do get around to check out what hobby content, what kind do you like to check out? Because there's a lot of different kinds.
1: Um, I kind of alluded to it. I like the i like the more like calm reserved content where it's like a little bit more like it'll be longer content Mm -hmm. because they're they're talking more and they're getting more into it but there's less distractions less top five less you know base card stuff over and over so i i really do like elite co3 i think his content is good Mm -hmm. um and to be perfectly honest i don't really listen to that much content Mm -hmm. just because like you said i'm very busy but there i've got some old there's a there's a pokemon guy that i still watch today his name is sm pratt okay very similar to what we're talking about he's very analytical very uh he's very long-term thinking and i actually started my channel because of him i've had him on my channel before Mm -hmm. and he's just like way ahead of the curve on some of the stuff and i've always enjoyed watching him he's just like i think he's like in his basement or something and it's just like a regular looking house he's not trying to be super flashy I
0: was gonna say the whole basement thing is that like, you're going for all the stereotypes I love it
1: and he's yeah he's just like a he just has a camera in front of him he talks about buying mm-hmm. Pokemon cards and investing and he's just very smart about it so i watch I watch him a lot still uh i watch House of Jordans I like stacking slabs I think his stuff is pretty interesting mm-hmm. he brings a new perspective that I enjoy
0: well he loves you guys and uh, I think you were on you were on there recently weren't you
1: I do yeah, yeah I was yeah Mm-hmm. Uh, not much else to be honest like i don't i don't have i just don't have time to watch there's so much of it right now like when mm-hmm. i first started it was like me and just like nolan and a couple other guys and now there's like seems like there's a new channel every day i can't keep up mm-hmm.
0: no that's fair i think that's reasonable i think I, I i like to kind of just understand sometimes the direction because i think it vibes with kind of your style and the way you approach your hobby content also yeah. kind of vibes with your collecting approach which is fair although that stacking slabs guy i don't know there's a little too much wrestling for my liking
1: wrestling. Uh, See, yeah. I love the I love the stuff where it's like nobody else is everyone's talking about basketball and soccer right now. I, I want to find the guy that's talking about something different who's a little mm-hmm. bit out of it.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, that's and that's fair. The, the thing I tease about the wrestling thing because I've been watching I've been watching wrestling since uh
1: since Hogan's original
0: run. Mm-hmm. And I and I watched it. WB product I hate it. Like it looks terrible now. It's because I never treated it like anything more special than it was. It's a televised state show. Yeah. And you've got characters and you've got storylines and all that. And if it's done well, it's good. And if it's done badly, it's bad. Like any other TV show. If the writers are bad, it's not going to be a good show. And if the actors and actresses can't cut it, it's going to be a bad show. Yeah. And right now, WB is putting on a consistently bad show. So whenever I listen to it, I just laugh. I'm like, stop talking about that. If you want to talk about talk about AEW. Let's talk about WCW in 1998. That was a good show.
1: This is not a good uh, show. WCW, that was my thing. I love WCW. I actually like- It was a good
0: show. They had a good show for a long time.
1: I was a young kid when when Hulk Hogan switched over to the bad side, mm-hmm. and it was like it was like a devastating thing for young kids. Then it was like really great bad.
0: storytelling, though. Great storytelling, oh, yeah, considering great what the do out
1: of it. You wanted to watch it, but it was like,
0: oh my god, Hulk Hogan! Yes. Yeah, he gave the leg. The thing is, that's why I say, I, I, that's why I joke about the Stagis Life thing because I listen to it, and it's like, what I hate is that I understand every damn reference you're making. That's what I hate. <laughs> <laughs> it's like I barely have to watch anymore, but I still know every reference you're making, especially right. if you go back a couple, at least a couple of years but um but no but the the thing is it was a thing now i'm laughing because in the card in the card ladder thing you guys had the thing where hogan shot up and then the rock is you know shot up and i'm just sitting there like don't you dare go the wrestling card route. <laughs> don't you dare mark it, i swear to god if we're talking about the the you know the uh, the hulk hogan and macho man randy savage rookie card i swear to god
1: you'll know it was me
0: <laughs> yeah exactly It's like i'll know i'll know what happened
1: I, I I just can't collect cards that I don't like. I just I'll never be able to do it. I only can buy and sell cards that I enjoy getting into. So like you just won't see it on a lot of these things.
0: There you go. So you got a fan and Max here. That's awesome. Nice cardboard Max. There you go. Sweet. But um, no, that's fair. But that that's like with everything. It's you gotta you gotta do. It's got to be whatever you like. It's got to be enjoyable. It's got to be fun. It's got to be li- life's life's got enough serious stuff in it without cards being part of that and copy content and all that. Like we don't need that much seriousness in cards. It's not that serious.
1: Yeah. There's been a ton of like political content on the card, Facebook groups and card channels. And it's like, this is why I'm here. Not to look at political stuff.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But the thing is some people can't, some people need it in everything. And it's one of those things where like, I don't have to watch the news anymore. I'll have, I'll I'll listen and someone will be yelling it outside my window. Yeah. (laughs) I I don't actually need to watch it. It's great. I'll hear it from time to time. It'll come up.
1: It comes up in your Facebook groups now and sports cards.
0: Exactly. Exactly. No, that's fair. Now, let me ask you this question. So I think we covered a lot of the main things, and I'll definitely have you on another time because it's enjoyable listening to kind of your take on it, um, you know, especially when you're not shrouded in darkness and then you become, you know, evil Josh and absolutely go off. Although it would have been fun if you had, you know, gone shrouded in darkness
1: you'll just have to wait for tonight <laughs> yeah
0: I, I guess so i guess so i'm one of the i'm one of the lurkers because i don't bother to try to get into that chat it goes crazy
1: yeah we love the chat it's so much fun yeah it's a good this is a very lively chat although yeah.
0: um although instagram the one hour limit's
1: dumb though that's why we did the two it's like gosh why? Am, and it's like why are you telling me to stop don't you want me on your app more
0: yeah i feel like they need to actually get to the the streaming part to actually be a little bit more streaming friendly and like just let it ride whatever it is, let it go.
1: I'm guessing it's some sort of technical limitation where they know that they're giving you the option to save the recording at the end. So they don't Mm want to literally let you infinitely save them. I don't know.
0: Yeah. Well, bandwidth expensive. So it's one of those things. That's fair. So let me, uh, let me circle it back then. And like I said, at some point I will, I will want to reach out to you again and, uh, and we'll definitely talk about some more stuff because there's plenty to talk about. There's there's no, there's no limitation on it. Like, look at this guy. He's just, uh, he's stalking us here now. Um, but in kind of a precursor to it, uh, first this, I know you guys in Card Ladder, you're, one of the things that has been mentioned, and I don't know if that's still down the pipeline, is I think you guys wanted to also incorporate a little bit of a um, kind of a marketplace element to it. And am I kind of misrepresenting that or does that sound about right? That's right. Yeah. So no details, no specifics, but I mean like in general terms as a marketplace. So where are the weaknesses you see in marketplaces now where you think you might be able to provide a little bit of a different look?
1: Um, Just the in we- generalities. The weakness now is not having the data to know what something's worth. So, like, mm-hmm. have, to be able to buy something from a page you're looking at that has the accurate sales data, I think, is big. Mm-hmm. Like, you have the immediate context and you're fully aware of what you're paying. So, And also to, like, have a sort of like an intermediary between two people transacting and them, like, bickering over price. You at least have a starting point. Between the two people, instead of like one person controlling the price 100%. Now you have a little bit more of an equal playing field.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So I think those are like the big things. And the, I, the question I get is like, why is in the marketplace out yet? We just we want to get it right, and I just like rushing that out could be could be more detrimental than than not ever doing it just because we um, we just want to get it right. And it's like a very there's a lot of like moving parts to it when you involve money and people transacting. Well, back I, was, I was
0: about to say, and this well, is just my my experience and anytime you involve any kind of a payment module of any kind there's a lot of things to think about in making the site function properly for it
1: yeah we need to, we literally need to talk to like a lawyer and be like here are yeah. what implications that we have on our company by introducing this kind of thing and what sort of verbiage do we need to put in place that kind of protects us so we we can't just like brush it out but I'd say those are the two main things uh, and and just and also like the card ladder brand itself to us is very important so I think having like i think having um having like a marketplace while you're inside of the brand i think is important and it makes people feel comfortable and confident so like we want to have that aspect of it like people go to buy stuff on ebay because they're confident in the brand of ebay and they they know they're going to get what they bought and if not they're going to be protected uh you know whereas instagram is just like wild west so there's some some level of like having this go-to place that you feel confident in
0: I think that's fair. Now the thing is, obviously, and I talked about this a lot with Chris, the 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 old disclosure thing, and to your point about lawyers and disclosure and verbiage and all that, that's going to be part of it. That would be part of it. But the other thing is, if you guys own cards and you have a marketplace, that's kind of a dangerous game right there because you do from time to time buy and sell cards. Do you buy from your own marketplace? Do you sell on your own marketplace? How do you disclose that in a way? Like usually, there's a you're going to have to have like a firewall, be like I can't buy and sell on
1: this. I think that's the that's just the hard and fast rule. We just wouldn't buy and sell through our own platform,
0: yeah, and I think that's going to be the way. but but I'm mentioning it because it's going to be one of the first things that'll come up. It's like the first question that becomes is like, well, you guys have cards, <laughs> and now you got a marketplace for cards. How do we know that you're not dealing through your own business, through your own like marketplace there? Yeah. It's tough.
1: I mean and we also want to keep like anonym we want to keep things anonymous for people. I butchered the other word keep things anonymous for people and not like give away who they are potentially if they don't want to. So that mm-hmm. opens it up to like, Oh, well, that could just be you hiding yourselves from selling through your own marketplace. Mm-hmm. So like in that scenario, we can't really win. So we have to figure it out.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, that's fair. But let me ask you again, if there's no hard and set answer, that's cool. Are you kind of thinking more of a buy it now thing marketplace? Or are you thinking like an auction marketplace or a combination therein?
1: We're thinking more in terms of like, it's a platform for people to be able to sell things to each okay. other.
0: Okay. Pure so kind of like a buy and sell, you know, you set it up, whatever, this is what it is. This is what like it an, is.
1: An organized Facebook group BST.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. No, that's what I think. It'll be interesting to see how kind of how you want to work that out because I know that slab stocks was pitching that concept of a, like some kind of a marketplace aspect to it, at least in their initial verbiage.
1: Yeah, they're going to be leaning on the eBay platform to run yep. that for them. So yep. we either go that route and then get the affiliate money through the eBay peer-to-peer, or we just simply have the feature and kind of like organically let it, let it roll and how people want to use it themselves.
0: Yeah, I think it'll end up being, it's one of those things that I'm interested in from the perspective as a hobbyist, but I'm also interested in the perspective of I like seeing how those models get put together because part and parcel of that is that All the things that we're just talking about there, like obviously this is all high level stuff and you guys still have to figure your own stuff out and make your own thing, but it also is going to be pertinent to it because as an international buyer, eBay is a necessary evil, but as an international buyer, I am also bound by sellers using the eBay, um, the eBay international, whatever it's called. I forget the name of it. Yeah. Yeah. And for me, that means that I can be buying a $20 card where I get to pay $25 shipping, which is fantastic. So I get worse shipping, slower shipping. It has tracking, which is great for the seller. But I get to basically double the price of my card yeah. or I don't bother to buy the card at all, in which case I'm out as a buyer. And uh, now from eBay's perspective, obviously, they get their cut. Pitney Bowes, who does their uh, kind of uh, fulfillment, gets their cut. And um, when you can pay hundreds of dollars in customs for something that would cost no more than 13 percent, if my government actually charged me customs, well, then you got to do it. Yeah. Yeah. So those are all kind of things that play into it. But that's kind of why I wanted to ask as pertain to that. Yeah. That's fair. So let me ask you one more thing then because I think time-wise are pretty good and I think we'll wrap it up on this question. So this is just kind of a general thing just to hit on a couple of things that are going on. Obviously, you built that football player collection because that was something you were working on as a little project to give yourself a challenge. Are you still working on that or is that kind of a now back burner to the next thing that you're kind of working on, thinking about?
1: Yeah, I have a couple other things in the works. Uh, but yeah, the, the fo- I'm still doing the football. I bought a Michael Thomas RPA mm-hmm. last night. I mean, there's still... I just. I'm just looking at the macro of it and some of them are just still too cheap to me and there's also a level of people uh kind of following the football trend a little bit and they're just uh they're still not getting it like they're still just going and buying i'm like psa 10 uh young receiver prices are just like through the roof young running Mm -hmm. backs through the roof psa 10 base prism silvers insane prices uh ntrpas have barely moved so guess what i'm just gonna stop buying the shiny ones and i'm just going to only buy the rpas like you're just you're forcing me into like making more focused decisions which is fine with me
0: okay you know what actually you that reminded me of one thing that i actually wanted to ask you because it's more of a basketball guy i think this is pertinent to you i'm kind of curious because it hasn't carried over yet to the other sports to the same degree like i don't see it the same way in baseball i don't see it the same way in hockey necessarily although there are some collectors who do it the emphasis on the shiny things hmm do you see that as a thing that could actually carry over to the – well, it could, but I'm saying, do you see it as a thing that would potentially carry over to those other sport? Because, like, the other ones have been historically a little bit more interested in the memorabilia side of it. Like, I'll just speak to the hockey piece. Memorabilia has been a bigger thing than the shiny parallels. But obviously in basketball, the shiny parallels are kind of a thing.
1: It's definitely pushing over to football for sure. Like, I've mm-hmm. seen – like, the Michael Thomas Prism Silver PSA 10 is 850 bucks, mm-hmm. and I bought an RPA last night for $1,500. hmm so I'm just like, and the pop on that Prism Silver is like almost 200. So it's like, is it should that card really be only half of what I, and someone posted like a Jamal Murray PSA 10 Prism Silver that was more expensive than a raw RPA out of 99. It's like, what? So I think that law is passing over to football because those are the two sports that are the most popular, meaning they have the most new people, meaning there's the least amount of education. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think yeah, it's definitely pushing over to football. It's unfortunately, or fortunately for me, I guess.
0: Yeah, well, I guess it depends on your angle on it, right? you at least, if you've got some, then it's not such a bad thing.
1: Like the Larry Fitzgerald tops, uh, top-scrum Larry Fitzgerald rookie refractor PSA ten sold for six thousand dollars the other night. That's less than that's more than I paid for his RPA. His contenders out of fifty. <laughs>
0: no, that's Yikes. fair. Yeah, that's fair. Hold on, there's a couple of good ones here. I want to just get in here card ladder merch come on revenue streams man revenue streams i don't,
1: I don't even have any Chris and I <laughs> have any merch we need to get some
0: yeah i was gonna good. say you've got your own merch you got you got the shirt on i think isn't that uh yeah exactly cardboard chronicles you guys can uh hook up some of those cards although i guess um what would the logo be like the cndl is that kind of the deal or
1: i guess yeah maybe that's spelled out we we just it's just like you know we've got a list of like a hundred things we want to do and i guess that one just doesn't high enough
0: Uh, I guess they're going to need to be able to sell more shirts. And real quick, I'll just acknowledge here, Jeremy, who's going to be doing his uh, live stream tomorrow. He does it Wednesdays and Saturdays It's must, it's must watch if you enjoy a lot of the hobby thing, because he brings in a lot of hobby, heavy hitters. Um, And, you know, Jeremy was there when they did the, when the LeBron auction happened, I think you were part of that. uh, The three of you on there, because at least you had some, you know, you had some knowledge to bring in on that as well. But um, no, I think, I think you're right. It's, I'm just curious to see if it does carry over to those other sports because I've seen it with football as well. I'm seeing it with some of those uh, like prison silvers and stuff like that is happening. Like some of the big football players are happening with that. And I'm seeing like the first year prison football. I went to go try and buy an Aaron Rodgers base card and it, and it shot up at least double what I was thinking it was, I was going to have to pay and I didn't end up winning it, but I was like, okay, I guess we're here. I knew you were coming, but even still.
1: Yeah. I think maybe it's like, people from our generation that come from the nineties and like shiny and uh, that's just more of a thing than the memorabilia, which is, I don't know. I don't, that's the only thing, that's the only thing I can come up with is that nineties kids like shiny stuff.
0: I think that's part of it, but I'll be honest with you. Like jokes aside, I actually think the thing with the shiny thing, in addition to like, Ooh, shiny. I think the other honest, the honest thing is that memorabilia is played out because it's been around long enough now and player worn doesn't mean anything.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Like, okay, you went in a photo shoot and put a jersey on. Cool. Oh, it's a nice patch. Yeah, but he put it on for like, what, 25 seconds? What does that right. mean? Right. As opposed to a game used piece of memorabilia where I can see the dirt, you know, from uh, from a game that you played or something. That's different. But that's like, what are you going to do, man?
1: Yeah, to me, it's, it's just more about like the way the card looks in combination with how important the card is or like its mystique or uh, how iconic it is.
0: Yeah, there's always going to be a place for those iconic cards. I think that was kind of the, the House of Jordans mantra early on, and you've elaborated on it as well. And some of the big collectors will show you that because when you go and look at what they're showing you, it will be sometimes really expensive stuff. But it will also be some of the stuff is like, no, this will stand. In five years, it's still good. In 10 years, it's still good. People are still going to like it. They're going to be interested in it. It has some value. Yeah. That's fair. All right. So one other thing we'll do real quick, everybody. Uh, Some of you are a little bit later on. Good old 99 goals. Nice. He's not wrong. He's not wrong. Come on, I have the most exciting man in sports cards here. Have you seen? He's practically bouncing off the walls right now. We got him started with the whole Luca base cards, and he's been on cloud line this whole time. And if you like this energy, wait until you get to the crossover where he's going to at least double the energy output you're looking at right now.
1: At the second not. hour, second hour, I will bring the energy tonight. <laughs> we'll see about that.
0: <laughs> I'd love to see it. That'd be kind of fun. But no, uh, no, it's been great talking to you, Josh. It's been a really good conversation. I was looking forward to it. it has been a little while coming, but I wanted to have some stuff. And we even managed to avoid talking about the trout super factor. So I could hate on trout for a while because I need a whole podcast for that.
1: Yeah. I'll let you take that one next time. I don't, I don't have as much to say on it.
0: Oh, I I got, I got stuff to say about trout for days. But <laughs> it's like, he's a scrub. He's terrible. You wasted four million dollars. You're never getting it back. I don't care what Vegas Dave told you.
1: <laughs> Vegas yeah. Dave was mad that it wasn't more.
0: Uh, the thing is, I, I I find that guy like so obnoxious, and I get it, but at the same time, and I think part of it is shtick. Like I have to consider at least part of it to be shtick on purpose.
1: Yeah, of course.
0: But at the same time, it's like I can't knock him for making four million dollars on you know his four hundred thousand dollar investment. Like whatever, you made he, the money, dude. Congrats.
1: He the reason that the card went up was because of his marketing savvy, and nothing to do with the card market expanding.
0: Yeah, which is exactly why, up until it went up for auction, I had completely forgotten about it. Right. But then when he mentioned it, I was like, oh yeah, that moron bought it. That's true. Yeah, you're right.
1: That's why I'm buying it. You're right. Yeah, exactly.
0: I told Jeremy when we were looking at that because we were watching the end of the auction on his live stream, and I said, ah, you know what? That it's like it's too bad. It was just a little too high. I was just the underbidder on that. I, I was done at like three seven. That's the best I could do. Like, I I just couldn't, I couldn't hack it.
1: The buyer's premium was just too much for me.
0: It was way too much, man. It was way too much. No, that's awesome. Appreciate you, Josh. So we'll let let him get out of here. If you haven't been checking it out, or if you check it out on the replay, his his various social medias and his YouTube and everything, check out some of those Cardboard Chronicles archives, though. There's some really good interviews in that, especially if you want to get some insight. I like the Nat Turner one. I like going back and looking at it from time to time. He's an interesting dude, though, but I I have questions. Maybe down the road, I'd like to ask that turn a couple of questions because he's got a great collection. That part is no doubt. But sometimes I find it a little hard to get, to get my head around. Like The thing that interests me about a, collecting, a collector is the curation, the why. Why did you build a collection this way? When we talk about your football cards, at least I understand why. We just talked about it. There was a rationale behind it. It's not just you went and bought a bunch of random football cards for fun. There, there was a rhyme or reason to it. Right. He can buy anything he wants, but sometimes it's like, well, okay, why are you buying some of this stuff? Is it just to get everything? He didn't buy it now on eBay as a whole, or what's the goal here? Let's have him on. Yeah. I'll have to ask him. Absolutely. But thanks everybody for checking it out. Uh, this is going to be archived on the channel. So you're more than welcome to. And if you've got any questions or anything related to it, you can always put that in the comments because I do check them out. And then down the road, I think I'll uh, I'll bring a couple of these guys back on because they're still doing things. I'm enjoying a lot of the stuff they're doing. Card ladders evolving and, Josh is as much a part of it. Chris is part of that. Christina is a part of it. She doesn't always get the cred, but she's part of that too. So they all need to get their cred. Maybe I'll bring her on so she can sell us all on the Luca base card. You know, we we need we need someone to sell us on Luca base card. Man,
1: there's plenty of people selling
0: it. I gotta get the super fan though. I gotta get the super fan. Yep.
1: All right.
0: Thanks, buddy. I appreciate you. Hang tight for two seconds and we'll just get offline. But thanks all of you who did uh, stick around to watch. All of you who left comments, you're awesome. And uh, we'll catch you on the next time when I do one of these live streams when it comes to me at the last minute.
1: See you, man, thanks.